Do CISOs need to dumb down cybersecurity to board members? And catch me if you can, imposter Frank Abigail on the Equifax breach. These stories and more coming up in the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Though still far from universal, it's becoming more common for chief information security officers to brief boards of directors on cyber threats and risks their organizations face. But in doing so, some CISOs often talk past board members and senior executives, over-relying on the technological impact of cyber threats and not on their implications to business goals. But it's a two-way street. At the same time, too many boards focus on other types of risk, mostly financial and not cyber risk. Mark Coviello is a venture partner at Rally Ventures and former executive chairman of IT security provider RSA. He spoke with my colleague Tracy Kitten at this month's ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in Toronto. We have all kinds of board oversight on things like financial risk, but we don't have significant board oversight around cyber risk. And the answer is quite simple. Boards tend to have lots of financially oriented people. They don't tend to have technology oriented people. There's not a single business or organization that hasn't been impacted by the digital technology revolution in the last five or 10 years. So it just seems obvious that we ought to have more technology oriented people on boards to provide that kind of oversight. And I feel for the practitioners, they're the kicking team, but nobody's at the other end of the field receiving. They're aware of the problem, but they don't understand the problem. They need to be educated and we need to get more people on boards that have that level of understanding. Until we get boards that have that higher level of understanding, what should CISOs be doing to help communicate more effectively with boards? I hesitate to use the word dumb it down, but they have to use more plain language as they explain the problem. And they have to be business people. Even that won't help unless senior management itself understands the issue and understands the risk and helps them help the board create that level of understanding. It's a point picked up by McDonald's CISO Tim Youngblood, who recently spoke with ISMG Digital Content Director Joan Goodchild. One of the biggest challenges I think that a lot of CISOs have is that they want to come in and talk about the latest threat or the latest malware outbreak or the virus impact that may have happened in, in very technical terms. And what they've got to do is now try to translate that into business terms and business outcomes. And what does the, the risk mean to the business goals? And then have that discussion with the board, not necessarily the specific details of the malware strand that just happened. That's not what they're interested in. Youngblood also cautions on how best CISOs should employ metrics in getting the board to better understand cyber threats and risks. We're very good at collecting metrics. We all have metrics out the wazoo. There are vulnerability metrics, there's scanning metrics, patching metrics, metrics on endpoint devices. Those are all great things, but if you can't translate what that means to the outcome to the business, they don't mean much to the board. And I think that's the biggest mistake that CISOs make. One other significant point Youngblood makes, board presentations aren't about the CISO or his or her organization. People need to understand that are in the role of CISO is that a board is not there to approve your budget per se. It's not there to agree with you. Their main role is to try to understand what is the risk to our organization and then are we doing the best things to address that risk. And they want to make sure that at the end of the day that U.S. CISO, you have tools that you need and you've got a plan to address it. That's ultimately what they want to know. Educating the board on cyber risk involves getting directors' hands dirty, so to speak, in cybersecurity tabletop exercises. Here's Greg Tuhill. 
He's president of the federal group at infrastructure security provider Sixterra Technologies and the one-time CISO of the U.S. federal government. I caught up with Tuhill after his recent appearance testifying before a House committee. Most organizations, if they even do them at all, it's largely lower in the organization. My recommendation, based upon my research and my experience, is, is every quarter you should have an exercise that involves C-suite and, and below. Even take it up to the board so that the board is aware of what's going on. Further, you should have an annual full-scale exercise. That's the best practice that I've seen in the public and private sector. And that's from the board all the way down. You can hear the entire interviews with Tuhill, Youngblood, and Coviello at InfoRiskToday.com. After this brief message, we'll bring you an update on a complaint filed by the U.S. Federal Trade Commission against Internet of Things maker D-Link that alleges sloppy security practices deceive customers. The complaint lists issues that ring familiar to IoT security watchers, default usernames and passwords, and storage of unencrypted login credentials. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit will take place October 17th and 18th in London. Keynote address will be provided by Phil Reitinger, CEO of the Global Cyber Alliance, followed by other information security leaders discussing hot topics like ransomware, GDPR, insider threat detection, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. We're back. And now to that story updating a complaint filed against an Internet of Things maker about Slack security practices. Here's ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk. The Internet of Things is facing a great challenge, security. Are consumers secure using devices such as IP cameras and routers? Experts contend they're not. And, at least in the United States, IoT is attracting regulatory interest. One closely watched case is a civil suit filed in January in federal court in San Francisco against router and IP camera manufacturer D-Link. The Federal Trade Commission alleges that sloppy security practices deceived consumers and put them at risk. D-Link has called the charges baseless. The complaint lists issues that ring familiar to IoT security watchers, default usernames and passwords, and storage of unencrypted login credentials. The agency also contends that D-Link left a private code signing key on a public website for more than six months. The key could have been used to sign malicious software that would appear to have come from D-Link. D-Link, however, has notched its first win, but it could be only temporary. A federal judge dismissed three of six counts in the complaint. The FTC has until October 20th to amend the complaint. D-Link challenged several parts of the complaint based on federal rules of civil procedure grounds. U.S. District Judge James Donato agreed with some of D-Link's arguments. Donato dismissed count one, which is titled Unfairness. That count alleges D-Link failed to take reasonable steps to secure the software for their routers and IP cameras. The FTC alleged that D-Link's actions caused or are likely to cause substantial injury to consumers in the United States. But Donato writes that the FTC did not identify a single incident where a consumer's financial, medical, or other sensitive personal information has been accessed or exposed. He also dismissed Count 4 and Count 5, which related to promotional representations. D-Link is being defended by Cause of Action, which is a Washington-based group that fights government regulation. Cause of Action didn't mention the FTC could potentially amend its complaint. FTC attorneys contacted didn't have an immediate comment. So while the dismissal of some counts in the complaint mark a win for D-Link, this case has a long way to go. 
For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Finally, some disturbing thoughts about the breach of credit monitoring bureau Equifax, in which hackers gained access to the names, birthdates, and social security numbers of 143 million Americans. Those upsetting ruminations come from Frank Abagnale. You remember Abagnale? Leonardo DiCaprio portrayed the ingenious imposter in the 2002 film Catch Me If You Can. After turning straight, Abagnale became an advisor to federal law enforcement agencies on fraud and in recent years, cybersecurity. I've been teaching breaches at the FBI academies since TJ Maxx 15 years ago. Appearing on Fox Business's Varney & Company, Abigail points out the short shelf life of pilfered credit cards and the fact that consumers have no liability if they're illegally used. Not so with stolen names, birthdates, and social security numbers. When you start stealing someone's name, their social security number, their date of birth, you can't change your name, you can't change your social security number, you can't change your date of birth. So the longer I hold it, the more valuable it becomes. So they typically warehouse that data for two to three years before they ever even begin to use it or sell it. So giving me one year of credit monitoring service for free is basically worthless. Still, he says, You can use a credit monitoring service. I've used one since 1992. But I'll be very honest with you. I don't know that I'm going back to Equifax to ask them to monitor my credit, even though they're giving it to me for free for a year. That's only a way to start charging me next year. But I can't trust them with my data to begin with. So I don't know that I'm going to go back and ask them to monitor my credit. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you, if you can, next time.